On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the John Rad Opus, Dangerous Men, from 2005, or 1979, or sometime in the 80s, or most definitely December 1995. Another episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, as always with me, is someone both dangerous and a man, your co-hoster, Cullen! It's good to hear you, you bastard. Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past, considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Today, we're discussing the sorta 2005 film Dangerous Men. Cullen, tell us how dangerous these men are. After her fiancé is killed and she is almost sexually assaulted, a woman becomes an avenger of the night, seeking to kill all dangerous men who would harm women. Meanwhile, her fiancé's cop brother also seeks to bring down the biker gang associated with the murder. Dangerous Men is written, directed, produced, scored, Edited, designed, and decorated by John Rad, and stars Melody Wiggins, Michael Hurt, Gil Gex, Michael Gratalone, and Brian Jenkins as Black Pepper. Here we are, uh, marking our 20th episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade with Dangerous Men. If you're interested in the previous 19 episodes, you can find them on our site, cultcinemacavalcade.com, and on iTunes, where you can leave us a five-star rating. You can also keep track of us by liking our Facebook page and following us at CC Cavalcade on Twitter. We appreciate uh, your comments, questions, and requests via our email ad- address, mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Uh, before getting into things, uh, I first want to take a moment to thank Johnny Lyles and the folks over at JL Media for having us be part of two of their live programs. Uh, the first... Uh, we guested on the Brother Brother Beer podcast at the Indiana Comic Con, and then they had us on the movie night with JL Media to discuss Captain America Civil War. Uh, it was a nice honor and a lot of fun to be on, and we hope to do it again soon. If we don't have them up already, we will get links up on our social media pages so you can check out those shows if you weren't able to listen to them live. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we blew Johnny's mind. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I'm not going to say definitely, but we we definitely blew his mind. It's like the gif of Eric Wareheim from Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. Just <laughs> yes. Which, speaking of Johnny Lyles, brings us to Dangerous Men. <laughs> he is dangerous. Uh, this film is one I wasn't... Aware existed until last year when our beloved Draft House Films picked it up. And no one was aware of it until last year. <laughs> Not really. It played in on four screens at the Lamley 
back in 2005, but the film was made beginning in 1979 and shot through the 80s and the 90s. It wrapped in the 90s and post-production up till I think it was like 2002 and then he spent three years trying to get some sort of theatrical distribution for it. And this John Rad guy is insane. Is insane. He didn't want to be a part of the system, so he just would save up his money and then shoot and save up his money and then shoot. And I think the female protagonist of the movie, she was paid mostly in McDonald's cheeseburgers. Yeah, I yeah. Think. And she quit too, which yes. takes a turn on this story. I think it added it I don't think what he set out to shoot is what he finished or even continued shooting at some point in this this movie. No, I, I'm absolutely sure. Like all the footage from the '90s was shot because he needed to f- make this thing movie length. Like he creates and... this like side story because he can't finish the movie he made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah. Like like I'm sure. Well, we'll we'll get into the the nuts and bolts of that kind of stuff and you know mention where we're sure <laughs> the '90s stuff was and the other stuff that was shot like. God, I mean, I wonder when she quit, you know? Right. Because this thing was, like, shot, like, it's it's clear that it starts in the 70s and is shot through some of the 80s, and it's clear which stuff is from the 90s, but I just wonder at what point she quit and the gap between when she quit and once he started shooting more footage to make the movie. This is one of the most interesting films you may ever see if you pick it up, and I guess we'll... Let's just get right into it so we can embellish on what we've been sort of hinting at here. Dangerous Men begins with its opening credits on a beach with waves crashing and the film's Casio demo-inspired theme song. And no joke, every credit is John Rad. I there are the, there are the opening credits. There are only five credits. Each one of them is John Rad, except the first one, which is which is John S. Rad. Right. And here's the thing: if I if I didn't know because I purchased it, had it, and saw it, was, you know, it's Dangerous Men. Popping this in, you might be like, "Am I watching a porno?" <laughs> well, from the music, certainly. The music yeah. and the beat shots. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, well, oh boy, but what, like, what are these dangerous men gonna do to each other? <laughs> But the opening credits, because it's only one person, it's like watching a Zucker Brothers movie. It's like, okay, here come the jokes. But it's like, no, it's serious. It's legitimate. Well, it's like when you know when we were in like high school and stuff, and we tried to like fill up all these credits, but they were all ourselves and repetitive. Yeah, there's like three or four people just with all of them. But this but guy was this... an adult doing it. No, you're right. It is kind of like someone like in middle school or high school that has access to camera equipment, but he shot it on film. That's what that's his sensibility is, you know, junior high equivalency of filmmaking. Yeah. Well, John Rad came comes from Iran, right? He does. And he, he had to does. leave the country for some reason and change his name. Guess what, folks? His name's not John Rad. There aren't many uh, Iranians with the name Rad. Right. There are some, but not many. And according to his family, who they interview on the Blu-ray release, they would not say his real name. They would only refer to him as John Rad. 
that that either means that something he did something serious or the man was so scary that they're worried that they will because uh, because John Red is he's gone he's dead now they must be worried that he's going to haunt them from beyond the grave maybe he's like Beetlejuice yes yeah if they maybe say his real name is. three times he'll return he'll make dangerous men too <laughs> well if it'll be safe it'll take 30 years to release it right he died uh i think it was 2007 or, two, uh, or no perhaps it, uh, it, it, i thought it was sooner it was sh- it i wasn't think too it was long shortly ago, maybe i thought it was shortly after it was released on the four screens i mean it wasn't like a month it was like i don't even know if it was a year i don't i don't know i don't know his whole history but it was not long after he uh, released the movie, he passed away. Two thousand seven. Okay, so he's maybe a he's maybe around two years after, yeah, so he, he can enjoy all the fame that <laughs> that Dangerous Men brought him. The like the two interviews that he did because of the movie. After this beach credits, uh, we get a at nighttime a man walking up to a house. They're not showing us who he is. We get shots of feet and his back. And he walks into a bedroom with a woman sleeping and wakes her up by rubbing her leg. And then they make out. And he's like, Happy anniversary, honey. Thank you, baby. It's beautiful. He gives her a necklace and, and she then leaves the movie for good. Yep. You don't have to, you don't have to get to know her. It's, it's never mentioned. Or anything. All we at know all. is she had a good anniversary. Apparently, just from the necklace that she got. And this is the guy is kind of one of our protagonists. He's kind of a main character. He gets a good portion of what would be yeah. the yeah. It's he, he's our filler protagonist. This guy is the stuff that had to be it, it had shot to be shot. In the 90s. Yeah, shot in the nineties after she quit. Like he he didn't work with like a ton of people that he's maybe talking to on the phone, maybe interacting right. with. Yeah, 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 there's there's a lot of interesting angles here. After that, a different couple is sharing a glass of wine, and and, and it's like and, a sledgehammer cut. Oh between, yeah. Between the um, he's a. We find out that this guy's a cop. That's with the, the woman, and then it cuts. It, it's like you. It is. It'll break your neck. It's so quick and abrupt to the couple in the restaurant. And when we were watching this the first time, I was like, "Wait, are these supposed to be the same people now out to dinner?" Yeah, it's because not, it, it's, it's two different people. Because the the cut is so abrupt, and they don't look anything like the dark. other couple. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just dark. And uh, one of the things I loved about this scene uh, was the audio. Yeah. I love you. I love you very, very much. So many things that I want to say, but I. I can't say it because the minute I start to open my mouth, I you know, sound stupid or weak or something. No. It's that was terrible. I, like between every bit of dialogue, they just turn the sound completely off in yeah. the room. Like the music is still going, but 
the actual audio from the room. There's no ambient sound in between dialogue. It is the faders goes all the way down and then cranks all the way back up when they when they begin speaking. Yeah, and, it's like and, sharp too. It's like no, it is. It's really sharp. But it. But what makes it another thing that points it out so much is there are big gaps in the dialogue, like between sentences. Between the, the own characters. It makes you, know? you anticipate the scene changing. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, like it, every line could be a scene change. You're right. It doesn't happen forever. You're like, oh, oh they're talking again. Yeah. Uh, oh, just, they're talking. It, they'll just talk about, like I, like, I love you. And I'm so glad we're together. And it creates this false sense of them bumping the score up after they talk, too. But the court, score's staying at, like, a, a nice, consistent level. But because of like mm-hmm. how crappy mm-hmm. the dialogue and ambi- with no ambiance is, it's it sounds like they're they're upping the score to fade into something else, and it just doesn't happen. Well, the guy's got to be proud of this score because music is always fucking playing in this movie. Oh yeah, he did all the music, John Rad. And uh, that is not seriously, that is not an exaggeration, folks. Like, like when there isn't music playing, it's like maybe ten seconds between songs. Seriously, there's music playing constantly in this movie and that i i'm not a personal fan of that but what makes it even more annoying is there's what maybe seven songs that that opening song that we hear with um the uh opening credits that's played three times in this movie and it is super repetitive and it, it lingers for a long time too when it shows up it's there for a while do do boom 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 it's that for... yeah uh, the the woman at the table is Mira she's gonna be our what we feel is the main character yeah she was the initial uh main character when this thing started in seventy nine sixty five to seventy five or seventy percent main character I I yeah say. yeah. Um, then this couple, they go out and they make out on the beach. We then cut to the first guy we saw and he's smoking outside of a convenience store and then a robbery happens and some, uh, I'm going to say quote unquote rad music starts playing as a (laughs) woman who works there is trying to sneak up and stop these thugs. Son of a bitch robbing my shop. Shut the fuck up. Fuck you up. Fuck. Okay, bitch, you were asking for it. And she beats she beats up one guy, but then the the dude at the holding up the counter just turns around and shoots her with an Uzi, like one shot out of an Uzi. That's all he. It's like <laughs> it's like it's not a handgun. Yeah, she's gonna get sprayed by bullets, <laughs> but no, just one shot. And the guy at the counter looks like our hero. Yeah, he does. Yeah, the the guy robbing the uh, the convenience store clerk. He he looks a lot like the. First guy, the the, the cop, the guy outside the smoking. The yeah, 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 yeah. It looks a lot like him, and we thought it was him. Yeah, for a, for a while, it's like, wait a minute, they couldn't get another actor again. Junior high production levels, what we right. thought we were watching, because with the guns, there's no um like flash at the end of the barrels either. Oh, it's just this dubbed in sound. Yeah, it, another thing uh that I enjoy about this scene is uh that 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 John Rad music. This one sounds like a '90s fight game, right? You yeah, know, like a you know, like, like, it's it sounds like a 
like a, a, a knockoff of Street Fighter 2. Not like the music, but it, the the music sounds like it belongs to a game that was a knockoff of Street Fighter 2. That or like a boss boss level thing or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like, yeah. Gets really ramped up. And then our, our hero outside gets in and he grabs the thug with all the money and stuff and shoots the trench coated guy. So, yay. <laughs> Justice? Uh, we, we focus then again on Mira and Daniel. And Daniel comes over to her place with her father there, who looks like he could be her husband. <laughs> or like, what's brother. He like? What's he, like, three years older than her? <laughs> like, was, was John Red like, okay, you have beard, you, uh... You're you're the you're the you're the father. <laughs> like, yeah, I gotta say, like, but I'm like, a, like a year younger than her. Like, no, 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 no. You're the father. You're the father. Yeah. And then we cut. They cut. They cut. Then like to them kissing on the beach again. And it's like this gross, like non-kissing, kissing. Like, and it's only slobber for... all over each other's faces. And it's like only for a moment too. Right. There, there are several points in this movie where something happens for a moment and then cuts back to something else. Like, wait, what happened? <laughs> so they, they are at her place and they set the father down to, to ask him for his permission on their intent to get engaged. And after this, the guy, the cop guy is on the phone and we find out that he is Daniel's brother. Yeah. And he's so... on the phone talking about making arrangements to come to the wedding. And he's like, you know, See you there, my favorite. Then my favorite brother. Yeah. Top-notch acting. Which I have. A, I wonder. Do you think this is a phone call from 1980 talking to 1995? It absolutely is. There's no like, doubt in my mind. <laughs> like these two guys are de- a decade apart shooting these scenes. Like it's got to be. Like I almost. There is a, a shot with. There's one shot of Daniel on the phone. Right. That's it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like that might have been like inconsequential and like thrown in later to be like, here you go. We got something. We can make this work. I'm sure it was. It, the scene's like freak, the movie Frequency, but with phones. But with phones. Uh, Daniel and Mira head out for a day on the beach, and some bikers spot them and decide to pull over. One's bored, and the other's like, their luck is our luck's about to change. As he points to Daniel and Mira, and we just, yeah, we know what they're going to do. And they, <laughs> they sit on the beach and wait for Daniel and Mira to walk by. And they run up and they say, why don't you share your lady with us? Like, what? He's <laughs> like, you know what? You're right, strangers. Why don't, go ahead, have at her. It's just property, right? You know, <laughs> I was feeling greedy here. <laughs> That's right. And this this whole scene... I don't think any other scene is shot like this scene. It, it's shot like a like a kung fu movie, right? Yeah, it's every yeah, it's shot got those zooms and pullouts and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every shot is either an extreme close up or it's an extreme close up that zooms out suddenly to a wide shot. Every, um, literally, this is not an exaggeration. Every scene in or every shot in this scene is like that, and. When, I, when we were watching this, I thought, oh, man, this movie's getting nuts. If the rest of the movie's going to be like this, holy hell. Well, Mira tells these guys to get lost, and Daniel, he gets heated, but the bikers just kind of mock him, and they, they act like they're leaving. They come back, and Daniel hits the bearded biker, and the bald there's a bald one, and he grabs Mira, 
And Daniel, he beats the like shit out of this guy and then strangles him to death. And the bald one notices that. And he's like in the middle of like trying to take his pants off. He's like, oh, man. Yeah, I, I love that he's like, oh, I got to do this now. Oh. So he goes over and then like stabs Daniel twice. And he like kills him. And yell and he yells at Danny. He's like, "You killed my only friend." <laughs> like, I also love that when Daniel he, he you know he dies like like I forget stabbed. It's like like just over dramatic. Like, well, yeah, he tumbles back and twitches like a sixth grader yeah. acting like he was been you know dying. Mira is upset as the bald biker's just like, you know what? Screw this. Done. And uh, <laughs> my friend's dead. That guy's dead. I'm out of here. I'm leaving the beach. This terrible like song called Goodbye My Love starts playing. And <laughs> Mira gets up and chases after the biker. It's just, hey, Tiger. Why don't you take me with you? What are you, crazy? You heard me. I mean it. I'm free now. That jerk isn't around anymore. What's on your mind, anyhow? A real man. Wait, I want to go with you. Yeah, you know, she she was crying over him seconds ago. Because she just pops right up. Everybody watching knows what this biker just apparently doesn't. That she's probably got an ulterior motive to all this. Like, sure, oh, absolutely. Uh, she had. Like, she would have to. No surprise. It's like okay. <laughs> so they they take off and they stop at a hotel. Uh, biker asks for a five a.m. wake up call. Yeah, well, you know, he's got a because the movie needs it to happen. He's got a full day ahead of him. He's got to he's got to go to Home Depot. You know, he's got to get some news sighting. Got to go to the bank. Right, Mira and the biker go eat in the the hotel restaurant where Mira like sneaks a steak knife by dropping her plate on accident, and they they it's just like oh I'm so clumsy. He's like ah don't worry about it, and he's just just. Gross, greasy, disgusting biker. And the whole time this is happening, from from the beach up uh, up to now, you know, there, there's dialogue, but the song that's playing, there's lyrics to it, and the lyrics to the song are almost as loud as the actual yes. dialogue in the movie, and it makes it a a challenging movie even more difficult to watch. Right. Well, Biker, I think it's funny like how he's like just this nice guy now when he's at dinner. Like, well, they're like, well, we're a couple, I guess. Well, yeah, like he, he was like, you know, going to, you know, victimize her on the beach. But I was like, oh, well, she's interested. Well, I'll take her out to dinner. I'm not an animal. I just want to force sex on a woman. But if she's into it, I'll bite her a steak. <laughs> Get her a room and a steak. <laughs> she's yours forever. Well, speaking of the room, they go up there, and Mira says, you know, he should get ready because she's going to take a shower. So while she's in the shower, the biker gets his knife out and licks all the blood from it. Yeah. Because, yeah. But, 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 but blood would be dry by now. It would, it would. He's, like, licking it up off the his pocket knife. And then the theme music returns. Oh, yeah. The... And then Mira comes out in a towel and, and gives him the instructions. When I come over to you, I want you to rub my knees lightly. At the same time, lick my belly button. 
Come on, get in bed. Remember, first my knees, then my belly button. He's so gross. These dudes like, oh baby, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this movie's so got hot. something oh, yeah. with like the the knees. It's all about the knees. <laughs> this isn't the first time. Yeah, we'll have yeah, that. I, I, I think John Rad has a knee fetish, not a leg fetish, just the knees. Because yeah. I think when the cop at the beginning, when he comes into that woman's room, he starts rubbing her knees. Yeah, absolutely does. He's yeah. all over the, them knees. Well, it's all about the patella, I guess. And what what is surely like one of the biggest highlights from the movies as this guy's doing this. We see that she is storing the steak knife in her ass crack <laughs> and then pulls it out and then murders the shit out of him. She's like, you son of a bitch. You actually think I was going to let you away with get away with killing the most important thing in my life? Yeah, she's st- from now she trash like you's gonna wind up dead. Yeah, that's right. Like it goes from her brutally murdering him to her fully dressed. Yes, like talking shit to a dead body. <laughs> yeah, the guy's got like twelve stab wounds in his back. Like he's not gonna like the conversation's over. You can just leave. Right, and she takes she does she takes off, and then it's time for the five a.m. wake up call. And the manager has an employee go to the room because he keeps calling. No one's answering. And the the employee finds the dead body and screams, no! Like, was she friends with the guy? Or, what? like, <laughs> why know. no? Like, I could get a scream, but, like, no! It's some some of that top-notch community college acting yes. that this movie features. Uh, Mira drags out on a deserted highway and hitchhikes and gets picked up by a guy in a pickup truck and and she she sleeps in the front seat and has flashbacks of hanging with her father and yeah there's one of her like he's sitting like reading something in a chair and she's crawling on the ground and comes up and is like meh, meh. yeah and like, like, she, like, she like crawls up to him like a like a sexy cat and then that happens like wait what <laughs> And uh, is that where? No, no, no. We're not. We're not there yet. No, I'm yeah. getting ahead of myself. But, well, the driver yeah. decides. Well, he's, yep. I'm just gonna pull down the road. This this side road and raper. Yeah, it's like, like and, I can't pass up an opportunity like this. And he's got. She's a, a godsend to a with someone in a bored marriage. Yeah, and he's got a gun in his like visor. Yeah. So this is a a British guy who kind of looks like Barney Miller, right? Uh, driving a pickup truck in the desert with a gun. Like, how the hell? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like all of this? Like I don't. None of it makes sense. This is where you know there's gonna be a scene later in the movie where Mira finds out that her town is really Rapistville spelled backwards. <laughs> The guy goes, he tells her, I'm going to have some fun with you. And, you know, says it has nothing to do with being decent. She tells him she's, you know, just kidding about, you know, not wanting to be raped and starts to play with him, play into him, and convinces him to, she convinces him to get naked and then to put the gun aside. Yeah, like, you're not going to point that gun at me while we make love. Oh, he was like, oh, well, I, I guess not. Now. Uh, and she immediately then grabs his dick and puts, like, the steak knife up to it. <laughs> the steak knife, mind you, that probably has some poop on it and another guy's blood. <laughs> and some some uh, medium-rare meat has been cut oh. on it. 
<laughs> if things Think about bad that. Enough, Think about if that. The, if the guy doesn't bleed out, he'll die from an infection. We have seen where this knife has been. <laughs> Literally, we absolutely have. <laughs> this, movie, this movie, if one, there's, there's one narrative that's, that's solid in this movie. It's the journey of the steak knife. <laughs> That's right. It's the only clear thing in the movie. And, uh, the guy says, for the sake of my family, my children. And she makes him get out of the car, take off his boxers, and, and run. And she gets in, She takes his truck. And we follow the rapist now for, for a, a while. bit. As he bumbles around, we're supposed to be laughing at him. And I don't know. He has some twigs he's covering his, his privates with. And... He does this dance singing. Yeah, like, and that's not even the, like, like, we see a lot of this guy's butt, so enjoy that yeah. for a while. Uh, but yeah, he's got like the two tree branches, and then, well, he's he's all embarrassed. But then he just decides to start singing and dancing right. for a while, like he, like like uh, to a waltz, I think. Yeah, we we take a break to watch Mira drive and have flashbacks, crying and go, I can't believe all this could be true. And, uh, Do we go back to ba- the, yeah? We the go British back guy? to the man, and he's hiding on the side of the road, and he says he decides that. He's going to tell his family that a woman tried to rape him, but he escaped. And he flags down this van, and they laugh at him and throw, like, a baggie at him and drive off. I think that's finally the last we see of him. Yeah, them. that's it. He's gone. Like, he'd be the it's perfect so candidate like, to know, pop up at the end of the credits still out <laughs> yeah. there. That's what I expected. Like, after after she, like, you know, steals the truck, we don't need to see for him ever again. Instead, we get, like, five minutes of this guy walking around the desert naked like we're, we're done with this character like are, it's just another thing in here where you think like they he just had to be padding out this movie right just to get it to be because it's only an hour and 19 with credits yeah. yeah that's a short movie i mean it's like four minutes above like theatrical qualifications mm-hmm. mira goes to her father to tell her that you know she needs to go where her life leads her and he gives her her savings passport account. Is that what he called it? <laughs> it was it's just a sa- this card. It's like Here it was. You go. It was. A, it, was a, it was a savings account, but it's back before there were cards, I guess. And where like you had like the booklet that would say, you know, what your amount is, right? You know, for your savings. So that's you know how old. So imagine this. This movie is released in two thousand five. And here's this guy handing his daughter her savings account in a booklet. So it's pretty it's pretty clear it's it's not a recent movie at that point. <laughs> and, and then we just get a shot of this train. Yeah, for like three seconds. The, the whole train passes by. Like it, it gets yeah. all, it waits to change scenes until the train is like off the screen. Yeah. And we're in an office. And on the calendar, we can see it's December 1995. And there's a detective and Daniel's brother talking about how there's no leads. They're trying to track Mira. And then Mira goes to rent a car. And we cut to a woman on the phone talking to the detective. Yeah, yeah, not the... 
not the murder victim's no, brother. No, this woman we've never seen. The, the detective. The, the, there's a black detective, and he's the guy talking to Daniel's brother, who's a white right. guy. And because we don't, do we get a name on this detective? Like, uh, the uh, the brother or the other guy? The detective. The not the brother. The the guy that sits at his I desk for most. I don't of the think movie. we do. I don't okay. think we do at all. And this this woman calls him, and she's trying to get busy with him, and he's all like, "Oh, you know, I'm too busy. I'm a cop." And yeah, she, then it just went, randomly cuts to them naked kissing in bed. Yeah, like, like I, I wasn't sure if that was like a like a dream because she was it was a flashback. Pl- was it? Did he immediately go there? Was it what he was, was fantasizing about? Like, what the hell was it? Yeah, because it immediately goes from her uh, saying like, you know, I want you to make time for me to a shot of him. It doesn't even look like he's thinking. He's just sitting there holding the phone. Yeah. And the next shot is like, I don't know, five, ten seconds of her just completely naked. Him and his boxers just deeply making out on a bed. And then she's never seen again. Yeah. That's it. There's no explanation what the hell happened. It's just, I don't know. It was a woman who was willing to get naked, so John Rad had to shoot it, I guess. Gotta do something about this. <laughs> Uh, Mira drives through Hollywood and picks up a hooker named Susan and they go to Mira's apartment and Susan takes her clothes off because we got to have nudity in this movie and Mira gets all shocked and she says she just wanted to talk to her and wants to know all about her job and they're all like I want to be one of the girls of the night who are you most afraid of what are the places and streets that you stay away from and Susan tell her it's risks dangerous streets Customers, drug dealers, pimps. Who am I afraid of? What might happen to me? Everywhere. Everybody and everything. I could be killed at any time. Any place. Please. I want to go. Meanwhile, back in December 1995, uh, the detective (laughs) tells Daniel's brother that they searched Mira's house and can't find anything. But and then we go to Mira in bed. Yeah. And and she's like, you know, from now on, I'll just be another girl working the streets. And she goes to drive and she picks up a guy and kills him. He's minding his own business, by the way. Yeah. And because her her. It's not an asshole if you go out and lure him on and then just kill him yeah her goal is to kill dangerous men this is a guy wearing the shortest shorts on on a man and he should not be wearing shorts that short because he's not a fit man he looked like he just got done like eating a burger at some little like stand (laughs) yeah it's absolutely what it was and she's like hey big guy like you know she pulls up all seductive like like what that's not what yeah he's not dangerous he's just a guy that just had dinner He's just a guy meeting the basic, you know, you want to get human it on? Okay, to stay sure. alive. Yeah. And then she just pulls up, you know, she kind of, you know, w- you know, waves her finger over. And then the next thing we see is like a silhouette of her murdering the guy. Right. And you know, what's funny is during this, they have a, a scene. They have her on the beach on her knees with these something written 
in the sand and a song starts playing and it's the lyrics to the song playing. I think it's my love. I think it's my love splendors of the moment yeah. with you are unforgettable. I think that's what it is. Yeah, but it's the same lyrics to the song and it's it's hilarious because you're like sitting there reading like what's it say in the sand and then the lyrics start and it helps you out. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's John Rad, folks. Yes, and she gets all upset and goes to her car, which is out of gas. And so guess what? She hitchhikes, and I swear on the rocks in the background, it says Steve Harvey. (laughs) It might have. Some goon picks her up, and guess what he does? He pulls off Uh. the road into some hills and tries to put moves on her. So she pulls a gun and shoots him, like, immediately. And then pushes his car down the hill, which, funny side note, that was John Rad's daughter's car, who apparently he just said he needed to borrow her car for the day. And then she never got it back. And and never knew what happened to it, because she wouldn't question her father, and then saw the movie and went, oh. Yeah. So she didn't know what happened to her car until 2005, and this had to be... I don't know, sometime in the 80s, I would guess. So it's been, I don't know... A, maybe 30 years. Right. And she didn't know what the hell happened to her car. And then we get more of her picking up men and stabbing the shit out of them in the shadows. And then these 1970s police cars, like clearly 1970s police cars seem to be on the case. Just randomly showing them drive around. But these, make no mistake about it. And it's not stock footage. No, it, no. These cars are so old, it looks like Punch is going to pull up next to them just to help out. Then we meet the chief of police, and who's like a Latino Stan Lee. (laughs) And he talks talks to David, who now Daniel's brother has a name. Yeah, You're right. Uh, This is the first time that we hear his name, I believe. He says he's going to take the case on himself, and the chief wants him out of it, stay out of it, but David won't listen, and... Mira is now labeled in the newspapers the tramp murderer, and she watches on the news as they report on her mur- murders and worries that they're getting closer and closer every day. Yeah. And we- the the uh, from the news station that looks like it's reporting out of a La Bamba's. Right. <laughs> yes. We then go back to December 1995, and the detective tells David that Mira was there when Daniel was killed with the two bikers. And the motel owner identified her at the hotel that night. And detective tells David, hey, aren't you supposed to be on vacation? (laughs) (laughs) Which is something that isn't. Why is that an important thing to the movie? Why can't he just just, be on the job? Like David's like, I guess he's gone rogue. I guess that's what they're supposed to tell us. Was this when they had like the random shot of the plane landing? Uh, Maybe. And then he was back. Like, they had that train, and then they had David coming out of the play. Like, David just traveling, man. Is that what happened earlier in the movie? That, I think that uh, they were trying to show that David came into town. Okay, and Cause, then... Because um, when they were on the phone at the beginning of the movie, he was trying to talk about making time to come up there. So I think that's what... So does that mean that Mira hopped a train to go rent a car? I don't... Is that what happened earlier in the movie? Yeah, I don't... The logistics, I mean... Who knows? Uh, but David, he travels to a nice, quaint biker bar, which looks like just a regular restaurant just filled with bikers. Yeah. And he's got a photo of the bearded biker from the beginning. How did he get got, this? Yes, they got choked to death. 
And he asked the bartender some questions, and the bartender's like, They hang out here much? They come in about every day. What about Lou? Did he have any family? His son, a bigger bastard than Lou. He goes by the name of Black Pepper, deals drugs, and he's killed more men than the Nam War. Seems like someone would have done something about that before now, right. but whatever. Bartender, uh, nominee, well, was worst, it, worst it, actor in the film? Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and that's, well, man, I don't no, know. No, I said There's nominee. A... I didn't say winner. I said okay. nominee. I was going to say, there's a woman later in this movie. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, he, he's on the list. I think up to this point in the movie, he's definitely the worst. He's abs- he, He's like, uh, my cousin Tony, he's got the afternoon free. He's doing me a favor. Like, David's uh, not very good, but David is now bumped up to being like William H. Macy at this point. No, you're, you're right. Compared. It's it's just like someone like like someone's like friend from high school, you know. It's, you know, just come up for the day. You know, we'll give you a lunch and uh, here put on the tie and just say the lines, and then you can go home. You know, have a couple of beers, meet the director. He's a really unusual guy. He destroyed his daughter's car. It's a great story. Should come on by. He's probably the actual bartender from there. Maybe I could see that too. Uh, I, I bet. I actually, I bet you're right. That's probably more than likely. That's why he's so stiff and awful. There's a group of bikers. Bikers are everywhere. There's a group at a table, and there's a there's a big bald one with tattoos on his head. Who we'll find later, his name is Dodge. And was it Dodge or was it Duke? It was. I, it was Dodge. I thought. You have I thought Dodge. Was, I was thinking okay. it was possibly Dutch. But I, or when, Dutch, when I think first, it is Dutch. When they say his name first time, it's clearly Dodge. Well, but the people's... You never know. Like, Maybe they changed names throughout this, because while our lead... Uh, lead, uh, the girl's name's Mira, but I... Cullen came in thinking... Tell me, you know, he's thinking it was Nina, and I thought they, they kept saying Mina, but the credits listed in multiple places have her as Mira, so these people just have a weird way of pronouncing an easy-to-say name. Yeah, every everyone in this movie. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, John Rad, uh, John Rad is Iranian, so maybe they had a difficult time understanding what he was saying, and they just didn't bother to read the script. I don't, I don't know. Big possibility. Well, th- this guy uh, Dodge or whatever, he sees this woman playing darts by herself and says, "Hey, bro, check out that bitch, man. She's fine. I'm gonna bang that." I hear you, bro. Go for it. And he, he, go, he goes to accost her, but she leaves. And then he goes after her again while she's out on the beach in her bathing suit already? Playing yeah, in the it, water? Yeah, what, what, it would happen. Yeah, like it goes from him bothering her to her walking out uh, like the back door. And then it cuts like immediately to her on a beach, like in the water, just playing around. For like a minute. She, this woman is a fast dresser, as we'll find. Yeah, like, like the way this is shot, it looks like she opens the door and like, oh, the beach is right behind the bar. Like, look, Narnia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a much, much grosser Narnia. Right. Uh, the bartender tells David that the big biker he knows where Black Pepper is, and another biker gets mad at the bartender, sensing that David's a cop. And the biker then gets to the beach and tries to rape the girl, but David saves the day with one of the funniest elbows I think I've ever seen caught on film. He like elbow yes. drops on a guy, and then put he, he puts him. The, well, the I first think it's of supposed two to be... times he will put this guy in a sleeper hold. 
But it, but it's not even a sleeper hold. It's just like he's just squeezing his head yeah. like he's like he's testing a melon for freshness. Like it would that would not knock someone out. It's just the most awkward most awkward way to knock someone out. In the next shot, the girl is immediately fully dressed. Whatever, and after David sleep holds the biker, once he completes the sleep, gives the girl a ride while the other biker finds Dodge. This is where I got the name Dodge. This, is what he, okay. this guy that came out. Chief Davis then gets a call about David, and he's like, I told him to stay away from this case, damn it. But hell, who, who can blame him? He's a cop. Because Chief right. is a master thespian. It's like he's a, he's like, hey, Dad, um, could you come read these lines while on the phone? <laughs> well, whenever I saw the guy, I was just waiting for him to say Excelsior. But it never <laughs> happens, and I was really disappointed. Oh, the bikers, but, they're, yeah. on the, they're on the move. And and good and, news, the uh, the opening credit song is back again. Yep, yep, it's some biker music. The woman that was like, almost raped on the beach is now sitting by David's car with the hood up, hanging out, and Dodge decides, hey, all you other bikers, go on ahead. I'm going to pull over. and <laughs> like, I, I got to rape someone. Hang, he, just go ahead, guys. He picks her up and carries her away, and then David, he's in the back seat, with a helmet on, and he's like his foot stuck, and, and he he's can't also, get out. He's also wearing like a like a jumpsuit, like a like a custodian would wear. It's yeah, really it's... really odd. It makes no sense. But like, I don't know where he got this jumpsuit from. Why are they doing this when they had the guy at the beach? Yeah, like, like, why? He, they had him knocked. He was unconscious because. Yeah. Taking him then. So he's trying to rape him again, and then David gets out finally, and then fires the gun at David, but he, at this point, misses? Like Sure. Yeah, and uh, then a fist fight ensues, and David once again sleeper holds him. Yes. It's one of the most, this this fight scene looks like a parody. Yeah. It looks like a joke. It, it doesn't even, it is not that it looks bad. It does look bad, but it looks like when people are trying to make fun of a fight scene. But don't worry. We'll have another one of those that does that even better in a little bit. Oh, God, yes. So David handcuffs him this time and drags him by the car and is like, sure, get me the rope. And then we find out he was wearing a bulletproof vest through Sharon's dialogue. So I'm like, oh, okay? (laughs) I I don't know why we needed that pointed out. I mean, it's not like when he was shot that he took a step back. He just kind of stood there so again it's another detail it's like what why do i care then we get like as david's tying him up he watches sharon get changed by the car and dodge slowly wakes up wonders where he's going and david's all like your ass is mine now and puts him in the backseat of the car and then david just you know drops sharon off in um when we said a worst actor in the movie uh this line uh could be the worst spoken line in the movie are you sure you don't want me to go with you? Yes. <gasps> yes. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's that cool. is the most unnatural read I've heard for uh, maybe any line. Well, no, Blood Freak had worse lines than this, but right. still, it is awful. Uh, David then tells the biker he's, he has three questions, but I think we only get one. It's, where can I find Black Pepper? And and he says, you know, the guy is like, people that go looking for Black Pepper wind up dead. And then, meanwhile, there's a guy with a picture of Mira who says he has enough evidence to convict her, which calls upon this 1970s policeman to patrol the streets as well as, like, a chopper in the air. 
Mm-hmm. And like it was, it was this point in the movie where I said, "What the f is going on? Why am I watching this?" Yeah, like it goes from the uh, the this biker that we've just seen, and it goes from that to the the chase of, of Mira. I was like, "What? Wait, hang, hang on. What yeah. story am I supposed to care about? What's what, what's happening, movie?" Right. And Mira's walking around the streets, and there's these two guys behind her, and there's these like eighty yard dubs that lead us to think they're police on her tail. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, I know this area real well. I'll go after her. And the guy, and then this one guy says he's going to go around some way to get her. And then the other's like, I'm going to follow her. And then he catches up to her, grabs her, turns and says, I'm a police detective. You're under arrest. And it cuts real quick. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if these weren't like originally two predators going yeah. after her. Cause they're, cause they're so far away from her. And it's creepy. It just... The way it's it shot. So I'm like, I wonder if this is like some predators that was like she was going to end up killing, but they needed to like finish her story up somehow and they re-edited and dubbed it so it looked like it was cops getting her. Well, the guy does pull out a badge. He and like he, yeah. Like he pulls out the badge as he's walking up to her. You can see it, but it's still, no, I, I think you're right. It, it does feel like these guys were initially supposed to be predators, but they just had to wrap up her story because this is the last we see of her. Yeah. In the movie. That's it. Yeah. We don't see her in jail. We don't see her being taken in. That's it. It's like, I'm a cop. You're under arrest. And I think he might start to read her Miranda rights. I don't even remember. Oh, this- no. This is the segment of the movie where, no, there's no Miranda rights. He's just like, I'm a cop. But speaking okay, of Miranda rights, we're about to get a lot of Miranda rights here soon. Yeah, I was going to say, because later in the movie, everyone that gets arrested, they're read almost their full Miranda rights. Right. In this. Yeah. So David pulls up to a house up on a hill, and Dodge tells him that's it. And meanwhile, all of a sudden, there's a blonde guy with a bandana and overalls, and he's like getting a little dance from a woman in a Hard Rock Cafe baseball jersey and bike shorts while watching a belly dancer in the living room that has an organ in the corner. Yeah, yeah, there was clearly no set designer, because there's a picture on a wall, there's a lamp, and there's an organ. And that is it. Yeah, it's so, wa- really... This is a white wall, and it's just a shitty couch. Like, that is it. And, like, paintings from, like, what you'd see in, like, an Indian restaurant on the wall. Oh, no, yeah, I- I'm-, I'm sure. that I bet it's probably just uh, John Rad's house or apartment. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, and then this guy who is Black Pepper, he picks up the... Yeah, Black Pepper, who looks like a cross between Dog the Bounty Hunter and Hulk Hogan. Yes, he picks up the woman on his lap, and he says, Thanks, Ruby, I'll see you at the club, (laughs) and and walks away, and then... (laughs) Okay. And then we cut to him in the bedroom, kissing the woman's knees and her belly button. Yeah, again, like, I think he's... And it's just like, oh, yeah, baby, oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of like, is he supposed to be going down on her or something? Like, is this like like a Cinemax sex scene where, like, all the action is supposed to be taking place around the crotch, but most of it takes place around the belly button? Because that's what it looks like to me in this movie. Well, there's no, like, penetrating at all. It's just, like, it's all kissing around areas and yeah so 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 we're we're at black pepper's place yeah okay what he he's the leader of this biker gang and he's responsible for more murders than vietnam okay fine whatever yeah but there's no evidence of any of this stuff 
No. And it's not like Black Pepper was directly behind the murder of David's brother. It's not like he like issued a hit. I don't understand why David is going after Black Pepper. The people that murdered his brother are dead. Justice has been served. I don't understand why he's going after Black Pepper. Like, like, like the whole like the whole end of this movie is just I mean, this. This stuff is clearly just this is all the ninety five footage. Where the, you know, just like we need right. an ending to our movie. And David, he's in the car and a biker comes up to the window with his gun. But guess what? The police have him surrounded. Like the full, like Stan Lee and the full police force right. are there. And I don't, when did he call the police? I Because like, <laughs> it's the, not a police car that David's driving. It's just a, like a K car. Like what? Like, why? How they? Because like. It's like the full like police are there like like Stan Lee's got a bullhorn and everything. I don't understand how the hell they knew to go to Black Pepper's place. If David had to work so hard to, to find it, like it's baffling. But uh, this guy then comes in the room and interrupts Black Pepper's fuck session. Boss. Cops are all over the place. You tell everyone to stop them no matter what it takes. Okay. Then we immediately cut to this long hallway with David. Or I thought it was David. It's not David. Some other cop guy. It's David lookalike, yeah. And Detective December 1995 slowly moving in on the bedroom. And he's all like in some like denim vest and jeans. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's very 1995. Yeah. He just needs like a fanny pack. Right. And he'll be spot on. Like a fanny pack and a 90210 shirt. Right. He's there. Yes. Well, they confront, go to confront Back Pepper in his bedroom, and there's like some figure hiding under sheets, but it's just the woman. And I guess the detective might be called Mac, because someone calls him Mac at this point. And he tells her, he tells the other detective guy to lock her up. And she fights back, and they like eerily, like creepily, like tackle her on the bed and stuff. Maybe it's just because she's in her bra and panties that it's like looks a bit like another yeah. rape scene. But <laughs> they start reading her her Miranda rights for the second time in five minutes because the other guys outside were read their Miranda Miranda rights. Maybe less gotta, than five minutes. And we gotta get to seventy five minutes, so right. let's keep putting more stuff in it. Well, Chief's at the car and tells David. That uh, Mira is has been arrested. <laughs> Good news. Conclusion. And David then spots Black Pepper like w- running her out in the hills and gives chase. And uh, David then confronts Black Pepper like immediately. And this is one of the funniest fights I've maybe ever seen on film. It's fantastic. It looks it, like the fights on a loop. It's ridiculous. There are like. Trade trade off point of view shot like shots of like bam 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 bam. It's like got a rhythm to it. Yeah, and it's it's hilarious. The menu on the Blu-ray is this fight, and it's fantastic, and it's hilarious. And what I love that uh, Black Pepper knocks David down. He beats the the shit out of David. (laughs) Continue doesn't kick him. He bends. He stands up, bends over, and just continues to punch him while he's just standing up. And now David, yeah, this is it for David. He's out of the movie. (laughs) 
Yes, our one of our main characters. That's it. Forget it. We don't need him anymore. We're left with Chief, who's behind it, but he, they have it. They confirm David's alive. Yes, yes. So. Chief runs up to him. It's like, all right, hang tight, kid, or or whatever he says, and then he chases after Black Pepper. Yep, and the '70s cops, they're also on it apparently mm-hmm, and uh, yeah. black pepper goes there's black pepper runs by and the chief has like gotten ahead of him in his car standing with his bullhorn and he's like don't make a move did you see the <laughs> nose up part it was really funny because chief's like they show him behind him and mm-hmm. then there's a cut to like him like coming out of some trees and going across the road and chief's in the background by the car oh, i did and not like, see that and, and he goes he goes into his like bullhorns, like don't make a move. <laughs> He's right there. Yeah, get him. And then we go on a long, boring yes. fu- chase with a twenty-second loop of music and no sense of geography, and it keeps Absolutely. going at, until Black Pepper like comes well, no, up you... on this house. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He comes up on the house, and then this chase loops again. It's like a yeah. minute. Yeah. And then in- like, 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 like exactly like even like there's like one part where uh, Black Pepper, he he crawls like into a, like, a, like a cave area. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, Stan Lee run Chief Stan Lee runs up and says like, I'll get you, you son of a bitch. Even if I have to go through hell or high water, I'll get you, you bastard. And both times when they loop the footage, he says the exact same thing. And the the most exciting thing that happens in this chase is that Chief takes off his jacket, runs around, and then puts his jacket back on to crawl under this little cave thing. You're right. That is the most interesting part of the chase because they're nowhere near each other. The geography is just is dicked. Like you can't really tell what they are in relationship to each other. You just have to take it on faith that the chief is behind Black Pepper. Black Pepper comes up upon this house and he enters. There's a woman in a living room sewing a quilt. She happens to have a gun under her quilt, but get this, she's blind. Yeah, that's right, because you get like Black Pepper says like, oh, like what luck, she's blind. And it, yeah, and then she shoots at him. And that, that signals the chief that, oh, this one house here, he must be inside. Because <laughs> where else is he going to go? Yeah. Come on, and, chief. And Black Pepper has then gone around the other side of the room and goes to attack the woman in disarmor. And the chief then enters and has a gun up to Black Pepper. And that's enough to stop him, apparently. And starts reading him his Miranda rights writes and then goes to cuff him and it freeze frames and the credits seriously the credits begin rolling one of the one of the characters in this freeze frame this final shot of the movie hasn't been in the movie for five minutes he's been in there two minutes black pepper's been in the movie for maybe six and chief like 12 (laughs) that's who you're that's who your end shot that's who we were left with at the end of this movie are people that were barely introduced to us yeah, I think I think Chief was introduced into the movie thirty minutes ago, approximately. It's something like that. Right. So it's, like, it was funny because we watched it and it was getting up, and then you went like, "No, no like you foresaw the freeze frame happening." Because <laughs> you know, like there, there are some movies where you can tell it's about to end. You're like, "Oh, are you serious? This cannot be the ending, right?" And then it fades to black, and then credits start. And you scream at the movie because it's so stupid. This was, 
I didn't realize it was the end. Like, wait a minute. Like, I was confused because, like, all right, you get the right to remain silent. He's starting to read his Miranda rights. And, like, the dialogue just stops, like, in the middle of it. And the, the frame freezes. And I thought, wait, this can't. Is this the end? No. And then the credits start. Like, what the fuck? What? John? What? <laughs> Like John Rad hit that like seventy eight minute mark or whatever it is. Like, all right, that's enough. I'm done making the movie. It's per- it's the perfect ending <laughs> to this for, damn for, thing. For I wouldn't this have movie, it any it other is. way. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's a stroke of genius, unintended genius, probably. But yeah, the it's, it's the perplexing end to a perplexing movie where our our uh, one protagonist is arrested what half an hour 20 minutes ago and the other one is unconscious outside and we haven't seen him for like eight minutes right that yeah and that that's how dangerous men ends is this the best ending to a movie we've had so far it's uh it's memorable i'll tell you that <laughs> ending take to be taken lightly um yeah the it's not the end of the movie. It's the done of the movie. <laughs> yeah. No more footage left of the movie. We, we for real ran out of money this time. John John just couldn't like, he's like, you know what? I don't want to wait another 10 years to finish the movie. I'm done. Now I'll start editing it. I mean, this is a labor of love for 20 some years. And oh my gosh. Apparently it's the only thing he loved. Like when they got to the 90s, was it like, did you get some of the crew back together? And like, okay, what are we going to shoot? Well, we're kind of starting over, but not. I mean, the consistency throughout bikers. Yeah, yeah. It's the constant of this movie. Because the two uh, rapist bikers, they look kind of alike. They're not, they're not the same person. Right, they yeah. They have similar styles. The two bold rapist bikers, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, and I wonder if David, the, the, the cop, if he quit the movie... Be- and that's why he's not the one arresting Black Pepper. If that was just like, he's like, I'm done with this. Just get me out of this movie. So they just like shot that scene so he wouldn't have to, you know, finish the movie so he could just, you know, get the hell out of there. And that's why they had Chief Stan Lee be our our right. nine minute protagonist. Because I mean, it could have not been David in some of the faraway shots of that fight with Black Pepper. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, they didn't need him for the POV shots when Black Pepper was getting punched in the face. Because it's funny because David's all the guy who finds the Black Pepper house yet is the guy who does not go into the Black Pepper house. You're right. He he does the least amount of work on this raid. The only thing he does is pursue Black Pepper and get the crap beat out of him. And he just apparently knows it's Black Pepper. Yeah, you're right. Because there, there's like one scene where like everyone's like after the raid has happened, um, Black Pepper he's outside and like he he pops his head up behind a rock like a gopher, and David looks up and says, "That's oh, Black Pepper." Like, how do you know that? The biker didn't say like, "Well, my boss is a lion's mane of golden hair and wraparound glasses." He doesn't say that. Oh. He doesn't say he's uh, like he looks like DDP's. Like uncle, you know. Right. It's just... Yeah. There's no description given of Black Pepper, and he's a secret un like he's like the the secret boss man that you have to get inside info to even know about. Yeah, exactly. And and also, if I were to hear the name Black Pepper, I would not think of this guy. He's wearing like a black. No, 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 no. Yeah, it was it was a black overalls. Right. A bandana 
and like wrap around glasses and he's got like a like a <laughs> curly uh blonde hair and you know a blonde beard like a like a short blonde beard it's like it's like that if, guy... if Jake Busey's dad wasn't ever famous that's what he would yes that's <laughs> right like when I hear the name black pepper I, I to me that sounds like a 70s pimp that's what it sounds yeah, like yeah to me. there you go yeah it, like he should be like like walk around with a walking stick. A seventies pimp or like a a seventies like black exploitation feminine f- female hero. Like mm-hmm. yeah, no, you're right, absolutely. Like, like Pam Greer could have played Black Pepper, you know, like absolutely. <laughs> I just I would wish he was a pimp. I wish there was a pimp in charge of the biker gang. I would that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Go get him my back, boys. I need protection from the police. But you know what? In this movie, it would make as much sense as anything else. Now comes time, as it is every episode, for us to rate the movie. As we are a cult cinema cavalcade, we keep our ratings culty. Our options are to stay with your family. Uh, Like a lot of people in this movie, you go in and then you uh, leave it forever and don't want a thing to do with it. There's converted which means you definitely are someone who would want to pick up uh, Mira for a nice little ride. And there is drinking the Kool-Aid, which means, yes, you'll stick that steak knife down your ass crack. So, Colin, <laughs> how do you rate Dangerous Men? Uh, well, the, the music is, is awful. The acting is atrocious. The plot is a mess and it's very clear this movie was shot over decades it's it's really a masterpiece in incompetence so i will i i'm converted i think this is a a must see it's not long which helps (laughs) and it's over before you know it like literally it it absolutely (laughs) is so that's nice uh so i'm i'm converted I, i i think it's it's a it's amazing. When I watched it, I, I, I ended up watching this one twice so I could take notes on it. The second time was a bit more rough. It was like, God, I just want to get through this. But the first time I watched it, it was like, this is amazing. It's jaw-droppingly just tragic. So I'm definitely converted. Uh, Brandon, how about you? I am going to drink the Kool-Aid on Dangerous Men. I, too, watched it twice. This is – you have to see it. Like, right? I mean – yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it did live up to our hype. I mean, we had this movie set. The bar was sitting there pretty high waiting for this movie. Mm-hmm. And my thing with this one is I drink the Kool-Aid, but and I think it's an all timer for bad cinema with the caveat that this one might not have some of the as many or consistent the laugh out loud moments to yeah. it. But I'm a big fan of my mind hurting because of illogical choices made in film and stuff I can't believe I'm seeing. And that's just baffling and entertaining to me with these. That's what I look for. And this is full of it. And you just won't, you can't believe the choices being made. You can't predict what's going to happen. It's, it's so incompetent. It's, it's a masterpiece. Like you said of that. Uh, I, I think I told you that night we watched it. I was like, you know what this is? This movie it's you can't compare it to any one of the like the big boys currently, but it's got everything you like about the room, Troll Two, and Miami Connection like blended up into like a shit burger. Like mm-hmm. it's it's got aspects of all of those. Yeah, because like 
Because, like, the room, it has characters that appear and then immediately are gone. And the incompetent direction. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all of them are incompetently directed. Right. But it's got... It does have that unnatural feel of Troll 2. You know? It do, like, yeah, it's got that poor production stuff with that. The, yeah, the unnatural feel. It's got the the stuff that scenes just thrown together don't seemingly go together like the room and it's got kind of that act that crappy action vibe and music of Miami connection yeah yeah and it's got the I think the acting caliber of troll 2 right yes yes and just the stupidity of yeah this troll 2 it's it's all there I mean if you've been curious about it you gotta I mean it's to have this is you show people this movie like, yeah, you're like, oh, my gosh, Dangerous Men. You have to see that. I don't know if it'll hit the heights some of these previous ones had. Because, it, like you said, it's it's rougher. And mm-hmm. the subject matter deals with, like, rapes constantly. Multiple rapes. No one is fully raped, attempted, but they are attacked. Attempted it's rape, all attempted yeah. rapes. I think we counted five Yes. in an hour and 19 rape. minutes. That's right. When I was watching the movie and taking notes, I wrote down, um, and there's an attempted rape. Because it's a movie that we're watching for the show. Right. We just had a real run <laughs> for whatever reason. We, I don't know why, but it's, I think when you get into like the gritty eighties and seventies movies, it's a it's an issue that comes up quite I, a bit. To get to just be that one that twists the knife and goes there. You know. Well, I mean the movie is called Dangerous Men, and that's pretty dangerous, I think. Correct. Yeah, it's pretty John Rad like what do you say, Wazo or Rad? Like who did worse? Man. I know Wizzo's like a pop culture cult icon now, but um, I, I, th- uh, I think we're going to find out. People are going to find out. I mean, John Rad, he just, I mean, whoo. I, 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 don't, I don't know who did. I, I don't know. I can't tell you who did worse. Because with, uh, with this, I at least understand what they were trying to do. Right. With the room, it's just like, what's your plot? What the hell happened? The acting in the room is better. It's better, yeah. And, and the music is better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just whatever your flavor is. This one, this one hurts my brain, like you said. The room really doesn't hurt my brain. Both of them make my jaw drop. Absolutely. Right. This this one isn't this one isn't as quotable. It's not quotable really at all. Right. No. It's, but it, it's, but it's just. Because you can't quote editing and you can't quote music. It's just it's just so shockingly bad. But you know, I immediately wanted to cosplay as Black Pepper right after this. <laughs> you did. You, you, I was you like, absolutely said that. I want to be Black Pepper. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of got an iconic look from this. I mean, they even put him on the, the he's on the packaging, and he, they made a little like cartoon of him for the digital copy card as well. Oh, I'm going to uh, dress up as uh, Mira. For uh, for Halloween, I'll put a knife in my butt crack and just there you go. Enough people lick my belly button all night long. Rub my knees, lick my belly button. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Death Stalker from 1983. This will mark the first sword and sorcery film we discuss on the podcast. That episode will be in two weeks, but. Keep your eyes peeled on here um, towards the end of this week, and maybe there's a little something for you. On a, on a Friday is what, the, what we should be looking for. Particularly Friday. Uh, <laughs> our episode has come to an end. 
Uh, thank you for sticking with us and listening. We always appreciate that, of course. Uh, we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer for Deathstalker. The trailer that actually trails. Journey to an age of great kingdoms. An age of awesome magic. An age of terrifying evil. Where one man sought the key to the ultimate power. He was the man they called Deathstalker. Reunite the three powers. You will be the power. A brave man could get inside one car's castle and kill it. If he can capture the amulet of life, he will rule the world. But an evil wizard stands in his path. And to the victor, a beautiful princess. Greatest challenge. The greatest adventure. The most legendary hero of them all. The man they called Deathstalker. The last great warrior king. Starring Richard Hill and Bobby Bennett. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find Cullen on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find me on Twitter at BTPeters and more of my written work at whysoblue.com. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song, Pink Baby by Happy Elf, found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade! Boom, 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 boom,